Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. How many of you have ever noticed that life can be difficult, almost unbearable, with trouble in every corner, and could use a little rest from the craziness? Yeah. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I'm glad you came this morning. Because I've got good news for you. We're going to be talking about finding the rest of God. Not like the rest of Him, but the rest that's found in God. We're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 9. Therefore, let us fear if, while, while a promise remains of entering His rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying, through David, after so long a time, just as, as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you. That there is rest in you. And Father, sometimes we have trouble finding it if we're honest. And that this world is crazy. And at times it seems like everything's coming up roses. And other times it feels like something has motor roses over and only left the thorns. But Father, we know that you're a God of not only the thorn but of the rose. And so we can rest in you no matter what comes. And Father, I pray that our eyes will be on you and not the circumstances of life and the troubles that come. And Father, for you said, for in this world we will have troubles, but be of good cheer, because you've overcome it. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you'll open our hearts to your word and our minds to your voice. And I pray that we'll obey and enjoy what it means to walk in your rest. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we discuss finding the rest of God... We're going to learn to walk by faith. We're going to understand what his rest really is. But we're also going to find out how obedience is the door to it. And so we begin by walking by faith. See, he says, he begins with the word fear. And he says, if the word of fear, if you fall short of entering his rest. And so we're not to take it lightly if you are struggling in your journey with the Lord and trying harder every day to live for him. Don't take that lightly. If you're struggling in this walk, and we've all struggled. We've all struggled in this thing where there's times that we're not all super excited to follow God. There's times that it seems like it's, it's more effort than it is joy. And there's times where maybe we got overcommitted and we were doing too much. And so we were exhausted and losing the joy of walking with Him. And so it's important... That we not take that lightly when we have these signs that come to us. We need to fear if we fall short of entering His rest. Because here's the thing. If you're not walking in the rest of God, you're walking in your own strength. And when you walk in your own strength, the only thing that can lead to is self-righteousness, which God is not pleased by. And so we walk in the very righteousness of Christ, not in what we can do. But in what he can do in us. And that's the difference. It's not about the effort that you have to do. And I know that's been preached to us for years. You need to try harder. You need to rededicate your life. 
You need to recommit yourself. You need to come down and pray. And 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 January one, we all you know make commitments, and we're going to pray and read our Bible, and we're going to be in church, and we're going to do these things to God, and we're going to talk to these people, and we're going to forgive these other people, and we're going to do all these things, and then we fail to do that, and then what happens? Guilt and oppression falls over us, doesn't it? And you start to hear the voice of condemnation, which. The Bible tells us there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So where does that come from? That doesn't come from the Lord. That comes from the enemy. That comes from the devil. He's trying to wear us down. So if I'm going to fail, then why even try? You ever been there in your journey? I mean, I can't live up to those Christian people. They're all goody goodies. And the truth is, Jesus said when they called him good, he said there ain't no one good. No, not one. So that's a lie that gets implanted in our minds. So why even try? Because here's the thing. Part of our strength in the journey is found in the rest of Christ. It's found in the strength of his power within us. Not in our power to go do for him. But in his power to do through us. It's all about John 15. Where he talks about abiding in the the vine. Because you are the branches. And he is the vine. And when we abide in him. We produce fruit. When we don't abide, we don't have no fruit. If you're not abiding in Him, you're not fruit producing. You can go out and and win souls. You can go out and share the gospel. You can go out and read your Bible. You can go out and pray. You can do all these things and it not have mean a hill of beans. There are people who are casting out demons in Jesus' name. And one day He's going to tell them, depart from me for I never knew you. So it's not about what you do. And that's the big... (laughs) That's the big lie that we're sold and that we bite into because we as Americans want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's, it's effort and we're going to be godly by what we do. Listen, you have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness already. You don't need anything else. His name is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And when we learn to tap into that, if you've come to faith in Christ... You have been transformed from the inside out. You are not what you were. Even though the enemy would like to tell you that, he'd like to tell you that you're less than what you are. That's what he did with Eve. That's why Eve bought it. When Eve, Adam and Eve were created, were they created in the image of God? Yes or no? Yes. They were created just like they were created in his image. What did the devil tell Eve? As he began to try to tempt her with the tree. He said in the day that you eat of it. You will be what? Like God. Implying that she was not like God. And so what we're told today is. You will be more godly if you do these things. Behavior doesn't make you godly. More than me going beep, beep, beep makes me a car. I am godly because of Christ in me. And I can't be more godly than that, can I? Hopefully this is unshackle some of you. And part of you, you know what? When I first heard this, part of me goes, man, I hope that's true. But that seems so foreign to me. And it scares me to death because I'm afraid that I just don't do anything at this point. (coughs) And it's not that you don't do anything. It's that the things you do are directed by him and no longer by you. And it's freeing, man. It's freeing. So what we focus on, he said to set your heart and your minds and your affections on things above, on Christ Jesus. So if that's what I'm doing, he's going to speak to me about things he wants done here. Because does Jesus need me? Does God need me to do anything here at all? He created this. One verse and God made the stars. That's what it sounded like when God made it. One verse. He doesn't need me. He invites me for me. To get to know him. That's the joy. So don't miss the relationship guys. That's what this is all about. That's where the rest is found. It's not found in getting rid of bad circumstances. Anybody here have bad circumstances in your life ever? Other than me? Thank you. Four of us, all right? 
So to you at three and me, I'll be talking to you this morning. Those circumstances are still going to come and go, aren't they? So if having a godly, peaceful life had to do with circumstances, then we have no hope. Good thing it doesn't. And so we begin by walking by faith. See, we have had good news preached to us. And when we think of good news in the Christian church, it's kind of this catchphrase for the gospel, right? But there's more good news than that. God's word is always good news, isn't it? Yes. It's always good news. When we learn about God and who He is and what He did and what He came to do and what He has for us, it changes us and transforms us. And so, the question is, has it profited you? Has the Word of God profited you? And you know what? Honestly, there was a time in my life I would have said no. You ever been there? This hasn't profited me at all. It's made things more difficult. I feel like more of a failure. When I go to church, I just realize what I'm not doing. And I just feel bad. You ever been there? Yeah. Welcome to the crowd. You found this place. We all decided to meet together here this morning. <laughs> I want you to know that's not what it's about. That's not what walking in faith is about. Those of you who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and have turned your life over to Him, when we do that, what happens is that He convicts us of our sin and we see no hope, we see no other way. And so we take everything and we put our faith and trust in Christ and we no longer are resting in our own abilities to save us. That's what salvation is about. Because you see, when I was born, I was born in sin, ladies and gentlemen. I was conceived in sin and I needed a Savior. Because the penalty for my sin is death. And Jesus went to the cross and he died for me. He was buried and three days later he rose from the grave. And he overcame sin and death. And because of him, I overcome it. Not by my own strength and my own effort. But because he did it for me. And he's in me and I'm in him. And I now overcome that. Because he did. It's just like... We make it over the Atlantic if we're flying to London, if we're in the airplane. I overcome because I'm in Him. Not because I flap my arms really fast. And that's the way it works. And so the only way for the good news to profit any of us is by faith. We know about it in salvation, but it's in the journey that way. It's so funny, we come into this relationship with Christ by faith, we abandon it all, we put our faith in Him, and then we pick up the mantle of works right after that. All right, and, and we're guilty as Christians of doing that. Well, now that you're saved, here's what you need to go do. Go read this book, and go pray, and go do this thing. You know what i found? Somebody that's been transformed from the inside out, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence, He will begin to speak to them about what they ought to be doing. What we need to do is foster the relationship. And share and say, how, do you, how did God speak to you when you came in faith in Him? How did you come to know Him? Where are you feeling led to read? You ever heard this? Well, now that you're saved, you need to go read the Gospel of John. Anybody ever heard that or ever said that? Yeah. Let me tell you something. When I was first saved, I went to the Gospel of John and I read it and it was confusing. And I closed my Bible. And you know what I ended up doing? I actually, I prayed. And I said, God, what do you want me to read? And he sent me to Philippians. You know what Philippians is about? It's about love. That's where he wanted me to start. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's about your journey with him. My goal is to remove the obstacles and foster that. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let what you want get in the way of what he wants. I'll tell you this. You'll have no greater joy than to walk in the, in the very center of his will for your life. 
We walk by faith in the journey. We walk by faith in our relationship with Him. Because there's sometimes, there's things that God told people in His Word that we read to do that made no sense. You want me to hit the rock and water's going to come out? You want me to go sacrifice my son? You want me to do what? You want me to go into battle, not with 30,000, but with 300? That's the story of Gideon. It had to do with how they lapped the water. Only God can do that stuff. Y'all ever read the story about how God talked to a donkey once? This is, this is a paraphrase on my part. He's like, hey, why are you kicking me? Don't you see the angel there? I ain't going past him. You ain't nothing. It's in the New Mark translation. <laughs> but that's what happened. God can do stuff like that. Why wouldn't we trust him? I'm going to tell you why we wouldn't trust him. Because sometimes in this world, we've gone through painful things that we feel like God could have avoided and didn't. And instead of learning the lesson, we just got angry. You ever do that as a kid? When your parents corrected you, you just got angry instead of learning the lesson? Kids, did you know that there's a lesson for you when your parents spank you? I think kids like to be spanked. Right, kids? Nobody said amen. Amen. <laughs> Because they know the boundaries. We like to know where we're safe, don't we? We like to know what we can do and can't do. Don't you do that when you start a new job? You want to know kind of where to put your stuff? You know, you don't eat Lois's tuna salad when she puts her name on it. You know, you don't do certain things. Because we know how it works. And so it's the same. We have to walk by faith if we're going to experience that. See, we must act on what we believe. We have to add, we have to respond behavior. See, people talk, y'all know what the difference between belief and faith is? They're two different words. Aren't we? we would agree they're two different words. Would y'all agree with me on that? They're two different words. But we use them interchangeably, don't we? There's absolutely a difference. Tell us more. Thank you. <laughs> There's absolutely a difference. Believe and say, these things I know are true. I'm convinced they're true. Faith is when I transfer my confidence from Mark to the things that I believe about God that are true. So if I believe that he wants the gospel spread, we would all agree on that one, right? That he wants everybody to know about Jesus Christ. Then I say, I now have a responsibility to participate. And I share the gospel when opportunity presents itself. Or I become burdened. You ever been, how many of you have ever been burdened for somebody to share the gospel with that you've yet to share the gospel with them? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll do this one. I'll represent. I've been there. I'm there now. I've got somebody in mind. I look for my opportunity. I wait on the Spirit of God to open the door. You don't just knock the door down. Anybody knocks your door down? Isn't that kind of rude? Right? If they knock on the door and you shut the door, it's still rude if they keep knocking, right? But if they knock on the door and you open and go, hey, come on in, then it's time to talk. That's how it works with people, too. Same thing. Because we are people, people are crazy, and sometimes we are one, right? That's the way it works. And so we have to act on what we believe. Then we're walking in faith. We're never going to understand the rest of God until we're able to rest in God. And that's what faith is about. And so we move from that to understanding what is his rest. Because there's some really cool stuff in here that I have not seen before that he talks about in relation to his rest. 
When you believe God is it or add his word, it means that you act on it and we, we and thereby transfer the trust for how your life's going into his hands. That's what we've been talking about. So when I believe God, I'm, we, do we believe that this is true? Be careful, this is a trick question. Do we believe this is true? Do we faith that this is true? Oh, y'all's face changed. <laughs> it's easy to say, isn't it? Talk is cheap, right? When you believe God is the word, at his word, it means that you tra- you act on what? Act on it. Thereby transfer your trust from managing your own life into letting him do it. You see, the Israelites did not enter the rest of God because they didn't believe him. What he's referring to is when they got to the promised land and they sent the spies in. We talked about that last week for those of you who were not here last week. They sent the spies in and they got a mixed report back. Just like we have today on everything and every subject. Ten said, or two of them said, yes, let's go. God has given us the land. And the other ten said, hold on a minute. Yes, it's got milk and honey. Yes, it's flowing. But there's some big dudes in there. And I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that was for us. And so what happened is, is they saw their inability instead of God's ability. And I think we do that as Christians all the time. Well, I'm not able to do that. You ever said that to yourself? Well, I can't talk like old Billy Graham. You know what? If you were supposed to talk like Billy Graham, you would be Billy Graham. Why would you ever want to be second best at something? I want you to be you. I want you to be unique the way God made you. And I want to explore and celebrate and let you mount up with the wings that God has given you and let him use you in the unique and individual and only way that you can be used. That's the fun part. Because you are special the way you're made. And the world will tell you that you're weird. And you know how we decide whether something is weird or not? If it's like us, it's not weird. If it's not like us, it's weird, right? We're the, we're the plumb line. That's how we decide. But that's not how it's meant to be. See, they saw their inability. And so many Christians will do this. And they'll go, oh, I'm not able. I can't do that. I don't have enough. I don't have enough wealth. I don't have enough time in my schedule. Time is sometimes more valuable than money, isn't it? We pay to get time. And we look at what we can't do and forget that if God's asking us to do it, He created the very earth that we stand on. He could, if He wanted me to give away a million dollars this morning, it could appear in my hand. Couldn't He? Why wouldn't we look with expectancy? Y'all are kind of waiting to see if they'll do it. (laughs) But we should feel that way about God. We should have that expectancy that he can deliver. That's how we should live. And if he didn't do that, it means that that's not what he wants to do today. He wants something else. And so I need to align with that. When we talk about the rest of God, what are we talking about? Here, in verses 3 through 5, the rest of God is equated with God's seventh day of rest from His work. Did y'all pick up on that when we were reading? I had never seen that before. What did God do on the seventh day? What work did He do on the seventh? He knew nothing. So there it is. You don't got to do nothing. No, that's not what he's saying. (laughs) 
For us, it's when we stop doing the work in our own effort. When we find the rest of God, we stop resting in ourselves. When you trust yourself, when you, when your work stops for God and His work begins through you, that's when you understand the rest of God. Because things happen that you could never have made happen. I know this. I tried. <laughs> I tried. When you hear somebody say they tried to live for God, that should be a flag for you always. I tried to live for God and in in walk into a situation that was difficult in ministry. And I tried for almost two and a half years. And I finally quit. I quit God. That was funny. You ever had that conversation with God? I have. I told him I quit. And he said, good. And I said, I'm glad you're happy because I am too. He said, no. Now you can see what I can do when you get out of the way. Because if he had accomplished those things when I was trying, he would have encouraged me to keep trying and resting in my own effort, my own ways. That's why we're frustrated, folks. Is you're trying to manage the situation. Who are my control freaks here this morning? Wow. Yeah, you're who I'm talking to. My hand's up too. <laughs> Some assistance from our, our, our spouses going on. I feel your pain because it's so frustrated and it beats you down so bad. And it's sad and it hurts. And you're like, why can't God just do it? Why can't he just deliver me? And the problem is we want deliverance from the storm instead of what the storm is meant to deliver us from. That's our problem. And so for us, it's when we stop our attempts to work for God and just simply listen and obey. Isn't it nice to be able to walk out here and go, I don't have to do anything for God except what he tells me to do today. That's a rest, right? And then if he, if he directs you in something, but you've got to be listening. You've got to be paying attention. Which, that's where we're headed. That's the rest. Because we move from walking by faith to understanding his rest into our obedience. See, that's, that's how the door, that's the door that we go through into his rest. See, both the gospel and God's word is good news. It's good news to us. The only reason to not walk confidently in the dire- in, in the direction of the Lord is because we don't trust Him. It goes back to faith. It goes back to faith. Do you trust Him? Let me address something here. I'm going to address the things that undermine our, our trust in the Lord. You ever prayed a prayer that God didn't answer? It's a trick question. I'm going to tell you no. I'm going to say you've prayed prayers that God didn't answer the way you wanted Him to answer. God's answered every one of your prayers. You may not have liked the answer. Kids, hey, if you're in, in 12th grade and under, have your parents ever given you an answer that you didn't want? And all the students and children said, Oh my God. Thank you, Logan. They all said, Amen. Why, parents, would you ever give them an answer they don't want? Why can't they eat candy till two in the morning? And all the kids said, Kids, you got to work with me here a little bit. Why can't I stay up as long as I want? Why can't I go out with my friends? <laughs> Parents, we know why, don't we? Because we know there's things that, that will hurt them and that are not good for them. And we're just, there's a reason he's called our father or his children. Because he knows there's things that are going to hurt us and not help us. And he's not going to answer. He's going to 
Same as you. Same as me. He's not going to answer in the affirmative when it's going to hurt us. And we just don't get it. When you're a kid, you just don't get it. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I didn't get it. My parents aren't here to say amen. <laughs> I didn't get it a lot. That's what, we, that's what they're there for. That's what he's there for. And we have to trust him with that. Trust him. The rest of God is the peace and cessation of self-effort found in our obedience to his word and personal direction in our lives. You want me to say that again? Did I go too fast? About five times. The rest of God is the peace and cessation of self-effort found in our obedience to his word and personal direction in our lives. We see surrender as failure, don't we? Generally. If somebody surrenders, that's a failure. That's why I think, I, I wonder if that's not been woven into our culture to keep us out of a healthy relationship with the Lord. Surrender is, the, is a place of strength. You know, I'm reminded of this story of this little boy who was playing in the sandbox. And his father saw him out there and he was digging and there was this big rock. And he saw, he's watching through the window, he's watching his son and his son is digging around the rock and he's doing all this stuff. And finally his son gave up and started crying. He's a little boy, three years old. And so the father went out and he went to talk to his son. He said, son, what's the matter? He said, the rock's too big for me, dad. He said, no, it's not. Use all your strength. I did, dad. Use all my strength. He said, no, you didn't, son. Use all your strength. And the little boy starts crying harder. He said, daddy, I didn't. He said, he said I did. I used everybody. He goes, no, you didn't. You have access to me. Use all your strength. And we wonder why life beats us down because we don't act, access all of our strength. We want to make it and do it without him. And then go to him when it's an emergency. We use prayer like 911. Listen, prayer is not. When I met Terry, I didn't just call her when my car broke down. or Well, that was kind of part of how we went. I didn't just call her then. Or, you know, when my arm was broke, I mean, I called her because I wanted to be with her. Right? All of you who are in love. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So, don't harden your heart, ladies and gentlemen. Don't dismiss what he said. Do it. Don't dismiss it. See, there's a Sabbath rest for us. And it's when we're only doing what God says. We rest from our own works. God rested from his own works. Into doing what he asked them to do. So how do we put this in our pocket and walk away this morning? How do we find, if we're going to find the rest of God? We have to stop trusting ourselves to handle life. Let me kind of tell you how life generally works. This is us. We want to manage our world. There's things in our world that are difficult. You get things in your world that are difficult? Yep. I feel your pain, brothers and sisters. I do too. I can tell you stories, and I bet you can top some of my stories. That's okay. We're in it together, amen? Amen. All right, now we're in it together. So we have all this stuff. We're going, I'm managing, I'm going to manage this. But then we have the stuff that's beyond that. 
that we need God to help us with. Right? Isn't that kind of how we think about life? There's a deception in, the, in those positions. The deception is, I think I'm actually handling this. That's the deception. Because without God, I don't wake up tomorrow morning. I had a friend just recently that most of you know just died. I talked to him on a Friday at noon. He was dead Saturday morning. Who knew? We were making plans for a month away. Nobody knew. They still haven't found a cause of death. You don't know. Without God, I don't wake up tomorrow. Without God, my food doesn't go down my esophagus. It goes into my lungs. Without God, I've got nothing. See, that's the deception. Well, I get up, I can get the kids going up. No, you can't, not without God's help. But we don't recognize it. That's the problem. We think it's all us. And the things that we physically can't do on our own, we turn over to God. Listen, we need to turn it all over to God. I used to say this to people, and I think it's true. We want to. Sur- How many of you have ever surrendered your weaknesses to the Lord? Anybody ever done that? Okay, here it comes. I'm looking at you. <laughs> How many of you ever surrendered your strengths to the Lord? Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Who made you? God made you. He made you with the strengths and weaknesses. Why would we ask Him to take something away that He gave us? Why would we ask him to fill that which he gave us that is strong? Because we've learned to find confidence in the things that God has given us instead of the God who gave them to us. That's the same problem the Israelites had with the Ark of the Covenant. Their eyes fell upon the Ark instead of the God who had given the Ark. So until we put our eyes and affix our hope and our love and our, and our passion upon Jesus Christ... We're going to remain deceived. And we're going to go through that same cycle. Well, how come God didn't answer that? Or how come God didn't do this? Or how come, if there's so much pain in the world, how come God lets that go on? Because love requires a choice. If somebody bound you up and said, you will love me, you're not going to love them. You're going to resent them. Unless you go through Stockholm Syndrome. But God's not into that. It requires a choice. And as long as there's a choice, we have the choice to do wrong. And so does the rest of the world. And so we have to accept that. So we have to stop trusting in ourselves to handle life. That's what brokenness is about. And man, we do not like it. I went through it. I was so relieved when it was over. I was like, oh, I survived it. And I thought I only had to do it once. <laughs> the problem is, is I resurrected myself. <laughs> and the Lord had to do it again. He had to show me again. It ain't about you. It ain't about what you can do. You know what was about me? 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross for me. That was about me. So, Listen. God will frustrate your efforts to find life in yourselves apart from Him. He will. He will. I've said this a million times. It's a misquote of Scripture. Well, God will never give you anything you can't handle. You ever heard that? Yeah. That ain't in the Bible. Find the verse. You find the verse and I'll stand here and I'll say I was wrong. Send it to me. What the Bible says is, no temptation has taken man that which God has not made a way of escape. That's what the board says. It has to do with temptation. Well, why would God frustrate me? You're frustrated because you're trusting yourself and not Him. He's not frustrating you. You're the one doing the frustrating. That don't fill chairs, but it's the truth. And old Marky does it too. So that I know. I feel the pain of this. So he's going to frustrate that. It's not due to meanness. It's because he's trying to hand us the real life that only he can. That's the beauty. So that's one. Stop trusting yourself to handle life. 
Two, you must find your confidence in the Lord and not simply in the circumstances of life going our way. Boy, when everything's great and everybody's happy and there's plenty of money in the bank, God is awesome, isn't He? That's wonderful. When there's no problem, my wife agrees with everything I say. I'm still praying for that. Is she not here? She's coming next week, though, I think. For those of you who don't know, my wife broke both bones in her lower leg, so she's been out for a couple of weeks. But then everything's wonderful. And then when tragedy happens or when something goes wrong, when you cancel full coverage to just liability and you wreck your car the next day, where's God? God hasn't changed at all. Look at Job. No, don't preach on Job. (laughs) But you know, the thing is, we've all been through stuff like Job, haven't we? We've all hurt. We've all lost family members. We've all um, lost finances. We've all had things that hurt our heart about our children. Right, parents? I know my parents have. (laughs) And so, as long as those things are going on, as long as life is going on, we're going to have troubles. Rest is not the absence of troubles. Rest is a transfer of trust from yourself. When you offload it to Him, the problem is, you know what we do? Is we'll come to the altar, we'll pray about it, we'll leave, we'll... we'll Tell the Lord we're leaving it there and we'll drag it right back with us. This is yours, Lord. And then we go, man, how do I got to figure that out? I don't know what we're going to do. You know, how are we going to do this now? We don't stop. We don't give it to Him. We don't let Him have control. We don't let Him let it eat part of our world if He wants it to. Because we want God to serve us instead of us serving Him. That's what it comes down to. So listen. Our peace of mind, again, is found totally, is found by totally trusting the Lord and accepting the circumstances He allows, knowing they are a benefit to us. Three. We have to respond to the Lord's leading. You have to respond, ladies and gentlemen. Don't rely on your understanding to obey the Lord. Rely on your ears. If you hear Him say it, do it. We want to understand it. We want to take everything. We want to make it make sense. And so, yes, that's God's will. Sometimes God's will is foreign from what you would think. And I'll tell you, as a church planner, you heard this, we're looking for a church with a children's ministry. Fantastic, join. And let's build a children's ministry. Fantastic. Me too. I'm looking for one too. Maybe the reason you're looking is because you're called to help. You're called to plant. Maybe that's why you have that passion. Because kids matter. Amen, parents? Mm-hmm. They absolutely matter. And you know what? Students, children, if you're in the sound of my voice, I want you to know something. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. And if you are a Christian, and if you love Jesus Christ, He has called you to service now as a child. You can be used here now. Not when you get big. I'll tell you, the, the youth ministry I ran in Georgia, we had ministries out. We ministered to the church. We brought them in and did different ministries to the body. They were a part of the health of the body of, of, of Sunrise where I served. 
And so I hear that all the time, and I just cringe when I hear people say that. Because if it's tomorrow, then what do I do today? We can, you know, and I'm going to tell you, how many of you have ever learned something by something your kids said? They'll say something, they'll say something, you go, eat your vegetables. Right? We learn from them. We learn from you guys. And all this, the kids said, thank you. We have to respond to his leading. Don't rely on your understanding. Rely on your ears. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what it says. And hearing means you do what hearing means you do what he's asking and leave the results to him. Whatever he's asking. You don't go, well, I'm gonna do this and I think this is what's gonna happen. You start figuring it out. And don't waste your time on that. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that. If Mark is supposed to put the ball on the tee, that he puts the ball on the tee. And walk away. I've done my job. You know, there was a man who went to a, a church service in the evening. And the pastor was preaching on hearing the voice of God. And this man prayed. And he said, Lord, if that's true... That you still speak to your people. If you'll speak to me, I'll do whatever you show me. I'll do my best. Because he was pondering that. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if God would just come down and say, fill in your name here. He wouldn't say that. (laughs) I want you to do this. Wouldn't that be cool? I think he is doing that. Watch how this goes. So the man leaves church. And he's driving home and he feels this urgency to go buy a gallon of milk. And he's like, is that the Lord? He feels this urgency. Then he remembers the story of, of Eli and Samuel. You remember that story where Eli, uh, Samuel's in his bed and uh, the Lord comes and he says, Samuel, Samuel, he goes and wakes up Eli. Not in car, you go back to bed. And finally, Eli discerns it and he tells him, next time you hear, say, I'm your servant, I'll do whatever you ask. And so he remembers the story, coincidentally. <laughs> and so he says, Lord, if this is you, I'll do whatever you say. And he hears it again, go buy a gallon of milk. He said, man, that's a, kind of a low hanging fruit. I can do that. So he said, if nothing else, I've got a gallon of milk. And if it's more than that, I've obeyed God. So he goes and buys a gallon of milk. And he's driving home. And he's past his seven. He can't see 7th Street coming. And the Lord tells him to turn on 7th Street. He's like, what? I'm going on 7th Street? <laughs> and he's driving and he passes it. And the Lord says, turn on 7th Street. And so, and it's kind of an industrial area. It's not really, I mean, there's some, there's some residents down there, but it's more of an industrial area. So he turns around and he drives down 7th Street. And the Lord tells him to stop and pull over. So he stops and pulls over. He said, that house across the street there, go give them the milk. And he's like, the lights are out. <laughs> it's like 930. I'm not going to knock on that door. And the Lord said, go over there and give them the milk. And so he goes over there. You know, he's a little nervous. As we, I mean, I can imagine, right? We would be too. So he's nervous. He goes over and he knocks on the door. And hears this voice. Who is it? What do you want? Not really encouraging when you're trying to follow the Lord. But he tells him his name. And the guy opens the door. And you can tell he's got like a pair of jeans on and his nightshirt. And when he sees the man, he just takes the milk. He goes, here, it's for you. And the guy grabs a gallon of milk and runs down the hall. And he's just standing. 
Not too long after that, the wife and him come back and they're, they're crying. And they say, you have no idea. We were on our knees just now praying for milk because we had some big bills that came and we couldn't buy the baby any milk. We couldn't afford it. And the woman said, I was praying that God would send an angel with a gallon of milk for us. He didn't know. He reached into his wallet, gave him all the rest of his money. (laughs) Which we would probably all do the same thing, right? But we think that when God is going to use us, that we're going to preach to millions or we're going to do this amazing missions thing. Or it means that that's not what it is. Sometimes it's just a gallon of milk. Sometimes it's just hearing that and, and being obedient. And you know what? We can all do that. Yeah. And have you ever had somebody do something small that meant the world to you? How many of you like to give and try to help people? How many of you have ever had somebody do something for you out of kindness or like the Lord moved them? How many of you, it's hard to receive. (laughs) How many of you like to give better than receive? (laughs) Right? I'm going to give you something to help you. If you get nothing else out of this, take this. Is when somebody does that for you, just say, thank you and I receive that. Don't steal their blessing. That's what the Lord was speaking to me about yesterday. Because somebody had done that for me just recently. And before I talked to them, the Lord said, don't you steal their blessing. That's the way it works, folks. It's not these big things. It's we touch each other's lives through kindness and gentleness. And the rest of God is not found in the absence of bad circumstances. It's found in the presence of Him. And when you walk there and stay there, He'll change your life. We need to realize this, that you might be the answer to someone's prayer. If we're willing to obey. That's the key. Therein we find and walk in and enjoy the rest that's found in God. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.